Hello everyone. Welcome to the second podcast in part 3 of the Bible Prophecy Masterclass, in which our plan is to conduct a series of random but thorough studies of the entire book of the Revelation. Our last show was begun following introductory remarks to chapter 6:1-2 and a look at the crowned rider on the white horse. Today, we will pick up where we left off with verses 3 and 4. The text which is the basis for this study is Judgment Day, Volume 3, Armageddon, Acts of God vs. Gods of Earth, written by Mr. Alvin Mitchell. I, Liam, will be your affable narrator and host. Please join me in a word of prayer and praise to God the Almighty for granting us this opportunity to delve into His Word, and for giving us these awe-inspiring warnings and powerful insights into His awesome plans for the future of mankind and of the world as we know it. Let us pray also for blessing upon the study and upon all who make time to join in and to listen. Seal number 2, World War 3. International Infighting. Verse 3 And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. Verse 4 And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. It is imperative to reiterate, and to stress, again, that, contrary to the thinking of so-called prophecy experts and teachers like Pastor John MacArthur, the wars here mentioned are not and they have nothing to do with the Battle of Armageddon, in fact, if one may be so bold, such thinking as theirs and that of the general evangelical community, is not just a wrong, it is in truth an outright lie. This is not the end of the apocalyptic tribulation period, as rather it is the very beginning. Thus, this infighting of the nations amongst themselves all around the world is not to be equated with God's gathering of the nations around Israel as detailed in the prophecies of Joel, chapter 3, and Zechariah, chapters 12 and 14, which gathering will indeed take place at the Battle of Armageddon, just prior to the coming of the Lord. Obviously, Israel is by no means the focus of their sore displeasure, as rather it is they themselves. There is absolutely nothing anywhere in this context to suggest even remotely that their guns are or will be in any wise trained on the Lord Jesus Christ at his advent, per Revelation 17 verses 12 to 13, rather, at the Lamb's manifestation of himself looking down upon more weary, battered and beleaguered men at the end of this chapter 6, they flee in terror at the sight of him. No one dares lift a finger to fight. On the contrary, each is out to kill his neighbor, and or bring him into subjugation, whereupon, per the will and mind of Almighty God, they will further make shipwreck of mankind's already extremely fragile system of global economics, much to his supreme satisfaction, the linchpin in that system having already been demolished, at their hands, to their detriment, per his will, see Judgment Day, Volume 1, Prelude to Armageddon, Part 1 The United States of America in Bible Prophecy. Furthermore, it should also be stated that the sudden, apparently spontaneous appearance of Jesus Christ at the end of chapter 6 here is not to be construed with his coming in, clouds with great glory, Matthew 24 verses 27 to 30, which event is synonymous with Revelation 19 verses 11 to 21, thus, there will be no dispatch of angelic beings or, gathering of the elect, given that at this commencement of the apocalypse period, those saints have not yet been born again, thus they have not yet been murdered, as they most assuredly will be, for their faith, per Revelation 6 verses 9 to 11, 7 verses 9 to 17, 12 verse 11, 14 verses 12 to 13, 15 colon 2 dash 4. 
Upon the breaking of the scroll's second seal, John heard the voice of the second living creature around God's throne, the one having the calf's face, booming out this same thunderous command, Come. Afterwards, there appeared a red horse, upon which sat a rider, whose job it was, in tandem with the rider upon the white horse, to rid the world of peace, ushering in global unrest and war with his great sword. One should stress that this is not the Battle of Armageddon, contrary to popular evangelical-slash-fundamentalist thought, nor does this international fighting take place in the middle of the last seven years of human history. At this juncture, the fighting seems to lack centrality, in spite of the many factions involved, there seems to be no common enemy, beyond the instigator, on the white horse, who appears to be pulling strings to his advantage maybe even attempting to bring order into the inevitable chaos and power vacuum left by the merciless toppling of the U.S., and the Russo-Arab-slash-EU coalition, all at the behest of God the Almighty incognito from behind the scenes, it has no real focus or purpose beyond one. Nations craving and desire to dominate or liquidate through, perhaps, ethnic cleansing another, though its impact will be felt around the world. It's the heart of every man, hell-bent on working out his frustration with his neighbor, via the bearing and wielding of arms against him. At this point, there will be no strong, influential mediatory figure or body to hear, or to assist in any viable resolution to their cases and grievances. Like its predecessor, the League of Nations, the United Nations is as worthless as it is corrupt, according to some informed sources, it will be, as it has always been with or without NATO of no real value when it comes to reigning in the nations. There will be no Bush, no Putin, no EU chief, of any significance, nor will there be any threat from Ahmadinejad, the US will have been flattened, lying in ruins in economic, political and military wasteland, the armies of the EU nations and of the Arab countries, though vanquished from the beating they received in Israel, will only be able to fight among themselves. Russia will be under the control of the Jews. Whatever China's aspirations now, or whatever its potential later, it will, by this time, be totally inconsequential, if not downright hapless. As bad as this is initially, it is not as bad as it will get. Why do the heathen rage? The easy fuel globally is presently gone, or, nearly depleted, or so we are told. Doubtless, the situation could be much worse at the outbreak of the apocalyptical unrest. That translates into dwindling readily available supplies and increased costs due to the cost of finding and extracting the plenty that is left, as well as the costly burden of not having a gluttonous superpower, to justify that extra cost, by gobbling it all up, everyone knows that without this power, China's and India's needs and demands are dead, as they basically live and grow now, only in response to that power's need for cheap labor, and cheaply produced goods. At this particular juncture, the Slav-EU-Muslim debacle upon the mountains of Israel, for the hand and will of Almighty God will be a relic of history by at least seven years, minimum. Since then, the Jew will have sat pretty upon the world stage, in relative safety, enjoying the spoils of war, delivered right to his doorstep, dropped into his very lap compliments, of Jehovah Elohim by his ever, war, loving enemies, warmongers, one and all. The spoils of war for the Jew now include the vast oil and coal reserves controlled by the Arabs and Russia, except perhaps under the Dead Sea, which has a readily quantifiable wealth all its own, Israel has almost no petroleum of its own, and no coal reserves. He, the Jew, will practically, literally control the world, 
and they will lift their hand against the Edomites and the Moabites, all the sons and daughters of Ammon will be subject to them. See Isaiah 11 verse 14. The world at large, long asleep under the weight of the stupor of incredulity, now perceives fully the hand and involvement of the God no one thought existed, but still do not like and therefore will not accept, nor will they acquiesce to the status quo. Any questions then, as to why the heathen rage, or what they will do next, Psalm 2. Seal number 3, Bone-Crushing Global Inflation. With the melting pot, these United States of America, dead, dying, or, at best, irretrievably handicapped, the world will have lost the most vital 5% of itself it will ever have known. With that loss, an international gobbler and marketplace for 40% of all the world's merchandise will simply, catastrophically have vanished, forever. Almost half of everything the global community produces is consumed here, a social, political, economic, and military powerhouse almost 500 years in the making, God says he'll give the word, and they, the nation she calls friends, will destroy her in one hour. That community will have nowhere to dump the excesses of all its goods. No other people group on the planet can now, nor will it then be able to afford the extravagancies with which the Americans are currently blessed to be able to indulge themselves, on average, her people earn more in a month, than 75% of the people on earth will earn in an entire year. No other nation will be able to step up, filling the vacancy she will leave behind. None will ever match her ravenous need and its gluttonous rate of consumption. The prosperity of the Jews riding high on Russian might will not suffice. Although there is speculation swirling in some circles regarding a Brazil rising, others conclude that widespread political corruption precludes that possibility. Still others envision future global, domineering financial centers located in places like China or a revitalized Great Britain or, as some erroneously suggest, Babylon, Iraq, highly, highly improbable though that be. Not even the self-defeating effort known as the European Union, boasting an economy said to be greater than the U.S., has an appetite large enough to take up where the U.S. will fall. Being in alignment of cantankerous white-skinned, civilized, nations, known for their belligerence, however subdued that may be for now, marked by a hostility and a kind of racism toward one another very much akin to the racist mentality fostered and nurtured here in the U.S. by white Americans toward African Americans and other minorities, their divisiveness quite sullies any potential they might otherwise have. What is more, no one will want to see another like the capitalist U.S., having taken measures to ensure that not only does she not rise again, but, that none like her will ever grace the pages of time or history, again. The Jew and capitalism will be seen and blamed as the cause of all their misery, pain, and suffering. With nowhere else to sell, the rampant, crushing global inflation pictured here under the banner of this seal will grip world economies, choking and dragging them to the ground thereby creating a situation that is said to be the stuff of the dreams and desires of the likes of the Illuminati, and of the Rockefeller family and their foundation, however difficult that may be to prove, conclusively. As of today, November 13, 2011, the as yet unrealized fear over the potential outcome of the current debt crisis staring the Europeans down their throats gives some sort of a glimpse or preview of what the economic devastation pictured here might look like, should the Greeks finally default on their indebtedness, followed by Europe's third largest economy the Italians. With the melting pot gone, the European powers beyond their knees, on their faces, the rest of the world cannot but follow suit.
In so many words, all world leaders, political, commercial, and military, are now keenly aware that the possibility for the scenario laid out for us here, in Revelation 6, is only all too real. The Crude Cause Verse 5 And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Verse 6 And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see that you hurt not the oil and the wine. Of the many things, philosophies, and or ideologies that might have fueled and driven wars of the past, acquisition of more territories must most certainly figure prominently among them. With these new territories, a monarch, or some such person, could for a time service a few physical needs, like the exploitatious need for the souls of men to power food production and other laborious, sometimes dangerous, self-serving projects, including human sacrifice, and the acquisition of non-perishable wealth, like precious metals and stones, etc. Whatever else may be the motivator, most assuredly, oil, black gold, Texas tea, by the hand of God, is likely to be the chief motivator fueling the wars of the apocalypse, as well as fresh opportunity to even old scores, and, to settle aging grievances without benefit of a credible, powerful mediator. It is vital to the stability of global economies in this day and age as food production and preparation, in all phases, transportation, every aspect, heating and cooling, etc., etc., virtually every aspect of industrialized life depends upon it they cannot survive, as is, without it, the rise of electric vehicles and renewable energy sources, notwithstanding. With 25% of the U.S.'s 4% of world supplies now, at September 905, decommissioned by Hurricane Katrina, within weeks, Rita had threatened another 25%, Americans now have a bird's-eye view of the near-debilitating impact that sudden shortages can have upon an otherwise strong, healthy economy, visible from now on, each time one visits the pumps and or receives his home utility bill. Moreover, the world now has a first-hand glimpse of the inflationary impact that crude shortages will have during the troublesome days of the tribulation period, as nations, with near-wanton disregard for the increasingly deadly consequences, fight and kill each other in an apparent vie for supremacy and control. Having shown, perhaps, more its weaknesses and foolishness than the president's fictional, strength and resolve during the war in Iraq, the U.S. and its fickle allies will be without influence, and therefore, powerless to curb or stop it, the presupposition here being that there might be something of the U.S. left with which to contend, the somber possibility is, no, the grave reality is, the U.S. will have been destroyed, as shown in the detailed study on Chapter 18, Judgment Day, Volume 1. Prelude to Armageddon, Part 1, The United States in Bible Prophecy. Riches to Rags, Wealthy Beggars. If this current economic slump, as of February 25, 09, is illustrative of anything beyond the obvious, the sight of avaricious, wealthy American corporate executives salving their failures and financial misfortunes, and massaging their greedy appetites at taxpayer expense is proof positive of the potential shown here depicting the future plight of the rich and the famous. Stained teeth matched by full stomachs will be a challenge, even for them. The difference for them then, is, this time, no government will be able to bail them out. Their plight will be like that shown in the YouTube video footage, depicting the harsh life for the people of Zimbabwe, in a dilapidated economy under the leadership of Mugabe, 
as of March 22-09. There, paper money is worthless. There are no jobs, in some areas. The government is powerless to reverse the calamitous situation. It is therefore useless. The purchase of anything requires gold. To get that gold, the people of one village are forced to pan all day, every day just to, or, in hopes of finding enough of the precious metal to buy one loaf of bread. For this, they need a minimum 0.3 grams chances of finding any at all, for most among even the able-bodied, is slim and none. The old, who cannot pan, are simply left to die. And so, when Jesus the Lamb peeled back the third seal, the third of the four beasts having a man's face seated around God's throne extended his thundering invitation, Come! Therewith, John saw a black horse emerge in obedience, whose rider carried a set of balances in one hand. Following this sight, John was given some sense of the significance of this scene, as he heard a voice from amongst the four beasts issue a sobering command, A measure of wheat now costs a penny, a day's wages, and sell three measures of barley for the same, and don't even think about touching oil and wine, extravagances, where most of the world is concerned, unaffordable by even the wealthy. The point here is such that fine dining will be beyond the reach of even the affluent as they will. Find these to be far too expensive, by virtue of extreme short supply this due chiefly to a severe reduction in production capacity, as well as insurmountable staffing and processing issues, worldwide, just getting enough to eat will be trouble enough for even them. As, it seems, we watch food prices mount daily at this hour, it will at long last in that day, at that hour, be too expensive to eat even in countries where, historically, food production is normally not a problem. The likely cause for this will not be due so much to incapacity, as to skyrocketing costs brought on by shortages of crude needed to produce and process it. The crude shortage may not be so much because there is none, ironically, there is, and will be then, plenty, as because accessibility makes supplies limited, and because of squabbling and conflicts as nations fight for control of such as there is, the Canadian oil sands, which, at one time, was said to supply the bulk of all U.S. imports, coupled with the more recently revealed find of Utah oil sand summer 2011 are some of the largest sources of oil in the world. People living in many parts of the world today Mexico, Africa, Russia, North Korea, China have a far more difficult time making a living than the average American, they may have an impossible time then. Seal number 4, The Global Slaughterhouse Verse 7 And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. Verse 8 And I looked, and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Opening of the fourth seal by the Lamb of God evoked the usual vociferous demand from the eagle-faced fourth living creature, Come! Once again, for the fourth time, old John the Apostle feasts a set of battered but as yet observant eyes, alert and inquiring, upon a heavenly scene before him, insatiable, if often confused, he was no less hungry for all that the Lord had to show. This time the event portrayed features not one, but two horses in compliance, each with its own respective rider. The first is a pale horse whose rider, unlike the others, is named, he is called Death, the Greek term for the color this horse is chloros, signifying that it is greenish in hue. 
The second rider upon the second of the two horses whose color is not given is named Hell, Greek, Hades temporary holding, or resting place for the unsaved dead. Death and Hades are partners. They work together like hand in glove. By virtue of the war, without a doubt, fought in large part for control of the world's oil reserves, over which the Jews will preside, see Judgment Day, Volume 2, Prelude to Armageddon, Part 2, Israel, Global Superpower, pages 63 and 64, provoked by the crowned rider upon the white horse, without question, in a calculated move based upon the correct assumption that no power would long last, or, withstand his bid for dominance, without precious crude, followed by fuel shortages which spark. Runaway inflation, followed by famine and widespread food shortages, these two riders are programmed to expect a banner season collecting dead bodies. Death due to global wars, widespread famine and hunger, death, probably four natural causes, and wild animals around the world will channel one quarter of the world's population, wholesale, into the insatiable coffers of Hades. Note that the term used here is in reference to the resting place of the unsaved dead, before the great white throne judgment that will see them permanently assigned to the lake of fire, as opposed to paradise, the temporary resting place for the Christians prior to entry into heaven. The focus, therefore, relative to the status of the one quarter slain, is on a tally of the unsaved, excluding the deaths of those to be murdered for their faith. They will have been saved during this period, following the collapse of the evangelical-slash-fundamentalist religious establishment, once associated with Babylon the Great. While Hades and Hell are synonymous, neither is the same as the permanent resting place for the unsaved dead, which is the lake of fire and sulfur, or brimstone. In today's terms, those numbers could easily translate into more than 1.5 billion people killed, based upon the 7 billion souls alive and kicking at this time. As of the week of 10-1-8-2005, the nation has been frequently reminded of the bird flu epidemic, aka the H1N1 influenza A virus, of the late 1800s or so, which is purported to have killed 50 million Spaniards, cases of infections tallied worldwide was 500 million, total world population during those days is said to have been only around 1.5 billion souls. Today, October 29, 2020, we are in the midst of a snapshot of those apocalyptic last days, as the whole world grapples with the relentless grip of the coronavirus and its attendant evil, COVID-19. Bad as this is, doubtless it pales in comparison to the multiples of epidemics and pandemics that will be unleashed in the early days of the apocalypse. There is currently no way to know how many people will be living when the apocalypse kicks off. Some estimates suggest that by 2080, Global figures could be as high as 10.6 billion, but may take until 2057 to top 10.038 billion. 10 billion people, that's a lot of souls. 7 billion is a lot of folks, yet there are said to be, even as we speak, people in high places all around the world, who think that the earth is overpopulated now, today. Thus, they have in place plans whereupon they, at the opportune time, can and will seek to drastically reduce those numbers. Their methodology calls for the implementation of what they call managed conflict or controlled chaos involving instigation, stimulation, and manipulation of dangerous global scenarios that more or less parallel all of the activity outlined here in this sixth chapter of the Revelation. 
That is, they plan to cause major devastation through global wars, economic chaos and colossal food shortages, deadly pestilences that are bioengineered to affect as many murders as possible, all over the planet. Let him who considers this to be a bit outlandish rethink Hitler's final solution, Stalin's collectivization of farms and industry, the Rwanda genocide and the genocidal efforts of the Serbs under Slobodan Milosevic called ethnic cleansing from 1991 to 95. Millions upon millions were murdered, slaughtered without mercy, at the hands of these monsters, Cambodia's Pol Pot, the Khmer Rouge and their killing fields wiped out 1.5 to 2 million or 25% of its own, but currently, China's Mao Zedong holds the record, he massacred 45 million of his own people in four years. In the not-too-distant future, God will step back into the shadows, as it were, for a short time, so as to leave the world virtually entirely under the control of men like these at the mercy of the heart of every man. This is how they intend to force the world under and into compliance with its new world order, longed for by so many among world leaders like the President of the Georgian Republic, enforced by a one-world government. In addition, it might be argued that the period beginning after November 2019 and leading up to June 19, 2020 has given the world a ringside seat and a bird's-eye view, in terms of how pestilence, in this case coronavirus and COVID-19, can be spread quickly from a source point to points all around the world, infecting and killing millions in its wake, in only a short period of time. Having allegedly originated in Wuhan, China, this virus is said to have actually been a collaborative effort between a research lab in Wuhan and work spearheaded by a U.S. military installation tasked with finding solutions to infectious diseases. The leadership for that initiative is said to have been none other than current head of the U.S. Center for Infectious Disease, Dr. Anthony Fauci, as of August 13, 2020. In light of the foregoing and more than, we cannot but conclude that the outbreak of global hostilities pictured here in Chapter 6 is not accidental. It is not a matter of settling petty grievances between nations, although it may be engineered so as to launch and play off these and other fears. It is rather, diabolically contrived, permitted by God, and calculated to have the dangerous and deadly consequences it will. In addition, this global conflict will be, as it were, phase two following a phase one which will see the removal of Babylon the Great. After suffering an unanticipated bump in the road to the final and full realization of their hellborn scheming, years in the making, which will see the fall of Russia, the EU, and the Muslim world at the hand of God Almighty, leaving the Jews exalted, the nations will reignite the flames of those prior passions. Insofar as these times will be not less than dire in the extreme, this will bring the world crashing to its knees, quite destroying any gains toward recovery, following the downfall of Babylon the Great a hopeless jumble of irreconcilable social, political, economic messes, a total global disaster. Our present struggle to survive the COVID-19 pandemic, relatively mild though it may well be by comparison, perhaps, October 30th 20, gives a fairly good idea just how debilitating such an event can and will be, with regard to global destabilization on all fronts. The absence of the melting pot and its gluttonous appetites, which might have provided a measure of remedy, will ensure the thoroughness and finality of their hellish objectives. This, unquestionably, is what God the Almighty is witnessing and laying bare as he details the unveiling of events here before John the Revelator. This is the hell that people, churched, but not Christian, among those unfortunate enough to be left behind during those days will have to endure, 
prior to entering an eternity in the devil's hellfire and brimstone. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Here is where we will end this podcast segment in the Bible Prophecy Masterclass, Part 3. Please do plan to join us next time for the conclusion of Chapter 6, after which we will move on to Chapter 7 of the Book of the Revelation. Until our next meeting, may the good Lord bless and keep you.